Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Broadcast, episode 438, recorded on Wednesday the 4th of May 2022 at 23.03.51. Oh yes, we are here again. <laughs> oh man, I've been doing so much podcasting this week, I'm so tired. I need a break. I haven't really got much of a break because tomorrow I've got to do the editing and I've got to tackle the hedge. My windmills. We're in the pre-show section. Let's do a bit of housekeeping. I'm combining Addenda, Errata, the State of the Rewatch, follow-ups and personal news with this new section just called journal. At least for the time being I am. I'm doing this because I have a tendency that you might have noticed to ramble and I'm hoping this will force me to be more concise. Expect journal to appear in the non-who pods as well. Did you see how I just said journal? I didn't say the journal. I'm going all apple. Okay, tonight we are talking about the 1979 story, The Horns of Nymon. Let us waste no time and go straight into cast crew and production notes. The fourth Doctor is played by Tom Baker. His companions are Romana, played by Lala Ward, and K-9, played temporarily by David Brierley. Regarding notable cast members, the main villain... A chap called Soldeed is played by Graham Crowden. More on him in the trivia section later on. The director was Kenny McBain. I don't know much about him. I know he directed other things. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, the most interesting thing that he directed other than Doctor Who was an episode entitled Double Vision from the series The Omega Factor. The writer was Anthony Reed, who worked on the Key to Time story arc. He was also apparently responsible for getting Douglas Adams onto the Doctor Who team. You see, it does help knowing people. He also co-wrote a Sapphire and Steel story with Don Horton. The producer was Graham Williams. As for locations, there was model work at Ealing Film Studios and studio filming at BBC Television Centre in Shepherd's Bush in 1979. This was Story 108, Serial 5 of Season 17. It was the finale of Season 17, but we'll talk about that when we do Sharda, because it gets complicated. The Horns of Nyman consisted of four episodes of approximately 25 minutes each, and was first broadcast from the 24th of November to the 15th of December 1979, following Nightmare of Eden which we talked about in pod 437. The last pod, in fact. Sorry if I sound a bit manic, 
I'm really tired and I've had a bowl of honey puffs. What the hell are they called now? They used to be called sugar puffs. But they are curiously uh, without as much sugar. So I poured on a bit more and I added some double cream and milk and I've got a caffeinated drink. I'm surprised I'm not stuck to the ceiling right now. <laughs> oh. Next, our On This Day section is replaced with Zeitgeist. That's what I'm calling it because it sounds much, much cooler. And I'm yet again tired of only talking about our little island. It's bad enough limiting myself to this island Earth. Yes, that's a sci-fi reference. I think we need to consider the whole. I mean, we are talking about the entirety of space and time with Doctor Who, so why am I just in the UK? Actually, you know what? I intend to include a Zeitgeist section with all retro revisits, including books, comics, and so on, from now on. If... Of course, I remember that I'm going to do this. As I've said so many things, and... Oh, this podcast has been going on for so long, the format's changed so much, who knows where it'll go? For my first entry in Zeitgeist, I have nothing of any great import happening on our aisle. But further afield... Science fiction author Kurt Vonnegut got married. And so it goes. Which is another little in-joke that I'm explaining this too much. As usual, let me play you an audio clip and then I'll tell you what happens. Audio clip rolling in three, two, one. Welcome to Scudder's, my friends. My dreams of conquest! Get away! Quick, everybody take cover, the whole place is about to explode! I hope you enjoyed that. Let me now tell you what happens. An ailing spaceship of the Sconan Empire, piloted by two aging and arguing soldiers, is carrying a group of teenagers, sacrificial teenagers, from the planet Aneth, when it breaks down near a black hole. The Doctor, in the midst of modifying the conceptual geometer in the TARDIS console, has immobilised the TARDIS when they begin falling into the same black hole. But luckily, sort of luckily, they crash into the ship instead. The Doctor extrudes the TARDIS's defence shield, a type of beam, into a conduit to a hatch on the side of the ship. They enter the ship and find the teenagers as well as a crystalline material called Hymetocyte. The Doctor and Romana are captured by the one surviving soldier who has appeared to have murdered his partner. They agree to save the ship 
using the high metacite. Romana is modifying the engines. When the engines suddenly start, the doctor on the TARDIS for supplies is separated, and so he follows them in the TARDIS. The ship arrives on the planet Skonos, and Romana and the teenagers take the high metasite into the labyrinthine power complex. It is the domain of the Nymon, a creature with great knowledge who has promised the ruler, the mad scientist, Soldeed, the technological means to lead his once powerful people to the reconquest of the galaxy in return for sacrificial victims and a supply of Hymetocyte. Sorry if I keep on hesitating when I say Hymetocyte, it's a complicated word to say. Inside the power complex, the shifting structure drive Romana and the teenagers further in. They find a dried corpse of a previous sacrifice drained of life force, and finally they come face to face with the minotaur-like Nymon. The Doctor arrives, enters the maze, and rescues Romana and two of the teenagers. The Nymon is building a link between black holes through which to transport his people in egg-shaped capsules. Far from helping Skonos, we find out that what the Nymon frequently refers to as the Great Journey of Life is the way his people travel via their black hole system from planet to planet, draining resources, using the same ploy of appealing to greedy leaders. They are now leaving the last planet they conquered, Krinov, and invading Skonos. Romana learns some of the Nymon's secretive strategy when she accidentally travels to Krinov in one of the travel pods and meets Sezom, who was once the ruler. He gives her a Jasonite crystal, which can stun the Nymons once fitted to a Force staff. With the Doctor's help at the other end of the black hole, Romana's pod returns to Skonos. The leader of the teenagers, Seth, is armed with Soldeed's staff that he has acquired, and fits it with the Jasonite according to Romana's shouted instructions and stuns the Nymons. As the Nymon infested complex gets cleared of Nymons, Canine shoots the last and Seth shoots Soldeed, but inadvertently sets off a self-destruct device. They escape the labyrinth, and the power complex explodes. From the TARDIS's view screen, the Doctor and Romana watch Seth and his companions returning to Aneth, and they also see Krinov 
destroyed. Okay then, that's the outline of the story, here's what I thought. In the horns of Naimon, a fascistic Imperium is ruled by an evil mad scientist in league with a children-eating monster. If Doctor Who wanted to one-up the Star Wars franchise, at least in story weirdness, not budgets, certainly not budgets, then this would be it. Wardrobe and makeup for Soldeed seems impossibly to have traversed time and taken design cues from Merlin in Excalibur from 1980, a year later. Soldeed has the beard, headgear, though a circlet, not a skullcap, long dark flowing robes, and a wizardy staff. And there's also a dash of Ming the Merciless thrown in for good measure. I thought perhaps that Excalibur's costumier, Bob Ringwood, had been involved in this story, but no. If there is a link that I don't know about, please let me know. I would also like to mention Soldeed's right-hand man, Sorak, who is resplendent in a plumed black helm and a tunic with accordion sleeves. Very fetching. Canine, once again, proves himself to be a walking encyclopedia when the Doctor asks him about Skonos. So handy to have a canine around. In episode one, the Doctor offers Romana his sonic screwdriver to start the conversion of the spaceship engines to run on Hymetocyte, in a callback to Nightmare in Eden when Romana says she needs a screwdriver to fix the continuous event transmuter. However, by now Romana has made her own sonic screwdriver. It is slimmer and arguably more elegant from what little I saw than the Doctor's own sonic screwdriver, and he almost swaps it for his own device when handing it back. What a cheeky bugger. I also found it amusing that the Doctor could divert the bull-like Nymon's fire with a flash of red cloth. I liked that the Nymon's horns were used as energy weapons, and a structure of exactly the same shape, though on a vast scale, should comprise an integral part of the power complex. It is part of the machinery that opens a channel via the black holes between Krynoth and Skonos. I enjoyed the idea of multiple fascistic cultures destroyed through their own lust for power. Excellent stuff. Serves them right. Well, apart from the death and destruction, not so cool, but petards and hoisting, you know. I highly appreciated Romana's red leather gloves. Um, I did not appreciate poor old K9 being dismantled and manhandled. 
No wonder he's irritated when he's put back together. As the rewatch has gone on, I've lost my adult animosity for K9 and regained my affection for the little robot dog. Now I remember why I liked him as a child. This entire story is quite clearly inspired by Greek myth, especially that of Theseus and the Minotaur, but there's also Soldeed, the mad scientist slash high priest slash emperor, eager to sacrifice children. This is very reminiscent of Agamemnon sacrificing his daughter, Iphigenia, when their fleet becomes becalmed at Aulis. Skonos itself sounds Greek. Then there's the Doctor marking his progress through the labyrinth with star stickers like Ariadne's Trail of String. And in fact, the Doctor also says in The Creature from the Pit that he gave Theseus and Ariadne a ball of string. There's also the Doctor saying that he's glad he remembered to paint the ship returning to Aneth, uh, near Anagram of Athens, by the way, white this time. He's again saying that he was involved in Theseus's quest, in which the crew of the triumphant returning ship, after Theseus slew the Minotaur, forgot to change the black sail to white, indicating their victory, which subsequently, and highly unfortunately, led to Theseus's father, King Aegeus, to commit suicide. Oh man, what is it with those Greek myths? Why is there always a sting in the tail? Why is the ending always bitter? And finally, some trivia. Soldeed was played by prolific Scottish actor Graham Crowden. What's odd was that he, along with two other notable Doctor Who actors, David Troughton, who played King Paladon in The Curse of Paladon from 1972, which we talked about in pod 279, and Peter Davison, the fifth Doctor, starred in the strange mid-80s black comedy A Very Peculiar Practice, which, from what I remember, was about a medical practice at a red brick university. I'll be honest here, I watched it mainly because of the incredibly sexy and vampy Dr. Rosemary, played by Barbara Flynn. And that is it for my revisit of The Horns of Nymon from 1979. I've got to tell you, I'm feeling a little burned out this week. I'm certainly not looking forward to The Hedge, but it's better than doing more podcasting this week. I did enjoy getting back into the swing of things, though, and I hope you are enjoying me putting out these shows. It is unbelievable, but we are almost in the year 1980, as far as the revisit is going, not literally. I haven't lost my mind which means only nine years left, if you don't include the Paul McGann movie. 
but that is only one movie. Ah, oh, nine years, and to think we started in the early 60s. Wow, this pod has been going on for more than half a century. I, you know what I mean. Pod time. Um, no. What am I talking about? Revisit time, not pod time. Oh my god. Yeah, this has been going on since 2014, which is still very long. And the pod itself has been going on since 2012. This year will be our 10th anniversary. We've got to do something special for that. Don't know what that's going to be. I'm still here. I'm still waffling. Sorry about that. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Broadcast, episode 438, recorded on Wednesday the 4th of May 2022. And the time at the end of the show is... 23.40.22 Thanks for listening, everyone, and bye-bye for now. Bye. Wasn't that a bit of a lackadaisical bye? Shouldn't it be more energised? Something like, bye! 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 Is that too manic? I think that's manic. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just going to... Hit stop now and the show's over. And speak to you soon. Bye.